Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It looks easy until it's not. Everything is easy. Remember the stock market going up? Anybody could buy stocks and make money until you couldn't. And if you didn't know what you were doing, you didn't have the fundamentals, you were going to get hammered. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and you're in for a special treat, ladies and gentlemen, today. We found somebody in the Midwest, out in Oklahoma, and she is on a mission to free, she's not going to like this word, the women from the bondage <laughs> of relationships and work that they don't believe that they need to be in. And I say that she won't like the word because she's like, it's so strong. It's such a strong word. Can we call it handcuffs? And I say we could, but I don't think that actually accurately depicts what some people end up experiencing. Doesn't matter if they're a high paid professional, specifically a physician. It doesn't matter if they went to all the right schools and followed the path. A lot of times people still end up in these situations as a result of following what most of us consider to be the American dream. And so with that, Felicia, I welcome you to the show. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Okay, I'm not going to talk about bondage. We'll talk about trapped and handcuffs and we'll go into all that stuff. But yes, I'm doing well. Handcuffs and bondage, they all go together. I know you don't want to duct tape them, but it's fine. So (laughs) look, man, when, when we started talking about Wealth Build Hers and Money with Mission. I just felt so inspired. I started thinking about Kaya and Leah. They went to a camp earlier this week and Malia actually drew the card to be a surgeon. And so she was making $29,000 a month and she was learning about the bills and she had a mansion and all this other stuff. And her sister, uh, she drew the card of being an engineer and she was making $5,500 a month. And She had a 2012 Honda Accord and, you know, they were going through this thing and it just made me think how important one, 
selecting your partner is. And then two, how much of our life is governed by the profession that we choose. And many of us make this decision where we don't have any idea on what we're signing up for. You know, I, I, one of the kids in the program said they wanted to be a neurosurgeon. And when I asked Leah why, she said, I don't know, that she just wanted to be that. And so many of us are picking our professions, we're picking our partners, and we truly don't think about what lasting implications that has for us. And most people won't tell us about the things that are less discussed, the dark side of some of these decisions that we make. And so you are a physician, you're an investor, you're an educator, a syndicator. I could go down the list of all the hats that you wear, but all this started out from a professional standpoint when you were going through your medical training. And so how did you end up there? How did you end up wanting to be a physician? Well, wanting to be a physician was one step. Before that, it was wanting to be able to take care of myself financially. And that mm. came from living in a household with domestic violence and watching my mother go through the things she went through, in my assumption, didn't leave for financial reasons. She didn't feel like she could take care of herself outside of that. When she ultimately did leave, she left by herself and left us there because she didn't think she could take care of us and oh. herself outside. So it was living in that that left me with, you have to be able to take care of yourself. My mother told me that in her words, you have to be able to take care of yourself. So Medicine became my way to do that. And I forgot the question now because I get really emotional when I think about my mom. I'm going to change the question now because you went there right from the beginning. And I didn't know if we were going to tell that story today. But so you said your mother went through that, but you went through it too. You watched things happen yeah. that no child should see. And that cycle is often repeated. Yes. Right. Because that is the model that you have. And so the question that I asked was, why, how did you decide that medicine was the answer? And basically you said, well, because I needed to take care of myself. I assume that that means financially you needed to take care of yourself. And I guess that's one of the highest paying ways that you can do it. Yes, that was. And I mean, I like science. I liked the, all the ideas of being a physician. You get to help people. You get to, I mean, these are the things you think about before you go. Like, I get to help people. I get to make a difference in their lives. I get, you know, just however you think about that as a child. And I'm going to call anybody in college, medical school, a child. The way you think about those things then is very idealistic. And then you get in and you realize that there's a whole bunch more to it than just the part, just that external part the the actual thing you went into it for to make a difference there's there's so many more things you have to do before you can actually make that difference or while you're making that difference that make it a much more challenging profession than you ever think it's going to be before you get there so i guess you're alluding to the fact that once you got through your studies and did your residency and got into a private practice group it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns it was far from rainbows and unicorns we go through our residency and my residency was really good. I loved it because it was a camaraderie. We, all the people there, we were same suffering. We got through that thing together. In practice, it was very different that the men in the practice, and I was the only woman in a practice of 12 over 13. And there's not that you're there, do your job, go home and that you're, you're on your own. 
And I was a woman of childbearing age and I got pregnant kind of my second year, I think, and wanted to take six weeks off, which is pretty customary. I wasn't asking for anything crazy. And my OBGYN had to write a letter to explain why I needed six weeks off after delivering my child. Actually, I needed a little bit of, I needed part-time because of some other issues I was having. And she had to write a letter telling them my medical conditions so that oh I could God. get the time I needed. That Even when I think about it now, it makes me so angry. And, and they couldn't understand why I needed six weeks off after the baby was born. I was like, God, to be kidding me. I actually had a child in residency that was an easier go than in, in practice. The other thing in practice, as the only woman in the group, when I had a surgical complication, all of a sudden I have way more complications than anybody else and had to be observed for the next however long, I can't even remember, but some ridiculous amount of time to make sure I knew what I was doing in these surgeries. Fortunately, I was sitting in the locker room and talked to another surgeon, actually had to be a neurosurgeon, who said, that's BS. They need to look at everybody's complications. And if yours are an outlier, then you're an outlier and you do what you got to do. If you're not an outlier, I have language for that. Then let's move on. So that's what happened. Ultimately found out I wasn't an outlier, but it took them a long time to figure that out. It was very frustrating, which ultimately is what all that kind of stuff made me leave that group before I became a partner. Before you became a partner. So typically the track is you work and then you earn your way once you have enough people coming through to warrant that you should be a partner in the group. And I guess you get the buy-in and that type of stuff. And so right. this feels like a double whammy, right? It's the, I see my mom struggle through this stuff. And so I solve for the problem by becoming a high income earner, but now I'm in a job and I'm not being treated well, right? I'm, I'm an employee. I don't have any ownership. And all that I'm doing is trading my time for money, even though I'm making more per hour than somebody that's a retail worker. Is that fair? That's 100% the way I ultimately saw it is I actually, I'm a high paid factory worker is how I actually started looking at that. And so what made you aware that trading your time for money isn't the optimal solution for somebody who's trying to build wealth? When I left that practice, I moved back to Kansas City where my family is and went into a, and actually went into a practice with a guy, but ultimately became, went into my own practice and started working with some women OBGYNs. I'm a urologist, so we kind of work in the same parts of the body, different sexes. But anyway, so we, we bought a building together and one of the women that was a part of that actually had done some real estate. She had her own business. This woman was not a physician, but was helping us put this whole thing together. And she gave me or recommended that I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So that was my first real estate deal, buying this building that us physicians were going to work in together. My friend, Cheryl, put the help us put, all, to put it all together, helped me understand it, and then gave me this book. And so that's a joint venture, I would suspect, or is a syndication? Like how, what's the technical term that you use for that partnership? It wasn't really a part. It was more of a, we own that we as a group own the building, I guess. I guess it was a syndication, but I never really thought about it that way. We didn't have the PPM. We didn't have all that stuff. Tenants in common, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure okay. what it, how to look at that. So Interesting. were you a partner in the group at this point or you didn't become it's a partner my own there group. either? I myself. It was me by myself, solo practice. Solo practice, but we all share a building as owners Correct. of our own practices in this 
office building, basically. That is right. That is correct. Wow. So now you own real estate. Was that intentional? No, I never thought about it. It didn't. And it never occurred to me until not too long ago. It was like, oh, my first real estate deal was this thing. And that's what, where the whole thing in that book got me really started in real estate investing. That business, that partnership fell apart, happens. And I still have my education. I still have all the things I got from that. And that's what's got me on the path. But I don't want to gloss over this because I think it's so important. There are so many people out there who say, oh, I want to be an investor, right? But I don't know how to be an investor. And then they think, oh, it can't be that hard. Look at whoever they're doing it. What do you think about that line of thinking? Well, I had that line of thinking. And I think as many professional people who've gone to a lot of school think that, well, I've done this, whatever this is, law school, medical school, whatever that thing is, I should real estate investing. You read a book, you go do it. Guilty. Found out that you don't know what you don't know. And those things can bite you hard and you end up in a place where you just, you want to cry. Life can get really, really ugly when things are not going well. So our, our things not going well happened to be 2008, 2009. We didn't see it coming because we didn't know to look for that. And everything we had, because we had built quite a bit at that point, just went away just gone. And it was because of our stupidity, not because of, you know, the, it, I can't blame the government. I can't blame the economy. I can't blame anything except I didn't see it because lots of people did well in that time. So yes, it looks easy until it's not. Everything is easy. Remember the stock market going up? Anybody could buy stocks and make money until you couldn't. And if you didn't know what you were doing, you didn't have the fundamentals, you were going to get hammered. Yeah. It's like crypto. Right. Crypto, except crypto can go to zero. So you said we had a lot and, but we only talked about your first deal. So you did your first deal with partners. Yeah. And then what'd you do after that? Did you buy houses? You buy, what'd you buy? We bought houses. So we, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I played Cashflow 101. So I got a lot of education, right? You know what you're doing. I know what I'm just doing. <laughs> I'm so smart. And then we went out and started buying houses. I mean, I had a, fr a friend of mine actually helped me overcome the fear of buying that first one. And she was a real estate investor and she was doing well. Fortunately, I mean, I bought that house. She helped us, you know, get through the fear of that. But I then lost touch with her and we ended up buying like 18 different properties over the next two years, single family houses. My husband at the time was going to rehab them all because that's what he liked to do. But every single one of them needed something or the majority of them needed something. And we found out you need a whole bunch of money to make all that happen. And 2008 came and you couldn't get money. And so we had these houses sitting there. And in that time, you know, you have cop people, copper was really popular. So anything copper in the building was stolen, anything. I mean, it was just a mess and ended up taking out a loan. We did. I was able to get a signature loan because I'm a physician. I have a lot, make a lot of money. So here, we'll give you this money just because you say you're going to pay us back 50000 And that just seemed like it was flushed down the drain. And so had to make a decision. Are we going to keep digging this hole? Am I going to keep digging this hole or am I going to walk away from this? And I ultimately made the decision to walk away from that, which was really difficult. It, it, ended, it ended my marriage. It ended this life just got really, really bleak and dark at that point, all because 
in my opinion right now, I thought I knew more than I knew and all the dark side of the thing was not evident, which it's not until you are in there or you've had somebody guide you along the way, like tell you to watch out for that Mm -hmm. briar patch over there. Watch out for that shark that's there in the water. Watch out for that worm that's about to crawl into you and cause you a whole bunch of problems. So not having that was a problem, obviously. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, most of us don't ever think it could happen to us, one, right? And I'm smart. Can't you see by all the degrees I have and all the certifications? I, I'm board certified, right? So that that adds complication to it. But what you describe, I, I describe it as unconsciously incompetent. Yes, 100%. Unconsciously incompetent. And many of us have this false confidence, this overconfidence that we're able to do something that seems to be very simple. And it might be simple, but it's not easy. Easy. Yes. It's not easy. And so we get trapped in this space of, oh, I don't need any help. And then there's also the ego that interjects. It's like, why would I pay anybody any money to help me with this thing when I can just go read a book? And I'll I'll be the first one to say the majority of stuff that's out there you can find on the internet somewhere. But having that in some form of sequence and having somebody... There's a reason why driver's ed exists, right? Like, all you have to do is turn the wheel on the car and push the accelerator and the brake and you'll get there. That's simple. But it's not easy, especially when you're starting out. And if you're investing hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and you think that that money won't disappear and go in the pocket of somebody who has more experience than you, because real estate is a zero-sum game, right? Investing, for the most part, is a zero-sum game. It is going from one person to the other, and it's either a positive or a negative for you when that transfer happens. You better be careful. You better be careful. And so why were you investing outside of your 401k? Like, why? I mean, you were doing the American dream anyway. Why not just go down that path of plugging, maxing it out, and just putting away as all, all you can? At that time, I wasn't really even thinking about that. But after that, when I really got to realize what I didn't know and I needed some help being able to navigate this real estate investing space, I got into the groups and got the mentors. I spent money for people to help me not lose money again. And it was with that and that education that I learned that my 401k is going to help me retire, maybe. But what about living now? At the time, and I was tired of medicine, the whole industrial complex is driving me nuts, the way mm-hmm. that thing is. And it's been where I start at the, some point started to feel like I'm complicit in how this is going. I've got to get out of here. And I had no way. I, I'm handcuffed to this thing because it's the only way I can make money. You know, I didn't say I was in bondage. I'm handcuffed to this thing because <laughs> it is how I make money. So that was when I really started realizing that the 401k is not the answer to living now. That's for the future. And now I know that that's a maybe. You don't know what's going to happen to the stock market. You don't know if the government's going to change the age you can retire. You don't know if the government's going to change the rules on how that 401k works. You have no idea. You can control your today and you can control the money that you can control and the things that you have and how you put that to work for you. But for, yeah, the, that, the more I learn about our 401k and why it came into existence, it, it's not the answer to 
my life. And I don't think it's the answer to most people's lives if they really would look at how that's put down and how that's who that really is there to serve. Yeah. It sounds like it's there to serve Wall Street. It 100% is there to serve Wall Street. And people want to talk about the elites and we can get into that whole political conversation, but that it is 100% there to, to serve Wall Street and not us. The rules so, can change at any time. Let's go there because I think people may not have picked up on what you put down. So I put my money in my 401k. I might be able to access it at 59 and a half without penalty. And so if I start practicing at 30 something, there's basically 20, over 20 years of me putting money into a thing so that I might be able to use some of it if I want to retire at that point. But yeah. what if I want to retire before that? Like, what do I, what do I do? Well, your options, if you put your, you're putting your money in your 401k, right? And you're hoping because that's what we're told that's going to compound so that when you retire at a lower tax bracket, you'll be paying less taxes because you've deferred your taxes at this point. Remember, you've deferred your taxes. Now, another thing is, I don't know who works in medicine or the profession. We, we do these things so we can live the way we want to live. And that's a tax bracket in our country. And then you're going to retire and want to live less? I don't think so. So your taxes are going to be the same. And this lower tax bracket thing is also a fallacy because the government can change the tax brackets at any time. I forgot the question again, Jerome. This stuff just drives me nuts. <laughs> so the question is, if if I want to retire earlier than 59 and a half, then what do I do? Because I've got money. I've got hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars in this account. But, you know, I'm 50, right? And I'm done. Yeah. My back hurts. I'm tired of getting phone calls in the middle of the night. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't go on vacation, right? I can't yeah. go to the grandkids thing because I can't take off. Like, I'm over it. I'm going to do something else. But my money's in this thing and I can't get it for another 10 years. You can get it. You can get it and you're going to pay the taxes on it and you're going to pay a penalty on it. So the, there, those are, there are those things. There's other ways to manage that money. So say you quit your job, you quit whatever you have and your 401k is now sitting there. So there's other ways to use that, but that's also education. You got to know what's going to be the best vehicle for you to use that money for now. If you decide at 50, you're done with working with that. So there are ways, but most of the ways are not ways that are going to, that are not without some financial penalty to that. So if you have it in a 401k, you're going to pay money to get it out sooner, no matter what you're getting it out for. And then if you have the right advisors, they may be able to help you mitigate those penalties and taxes with you putting your money somewhere else, but you still have to have money to live. So somehow you're going to have to deal with that whole situation. It, it's complicated. It's doable, but very complicated. And without the right advisors on your side, you're going to lose every single day. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, a.k.a. the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. 
When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Who do you go to for that strategy? Because you said advisors, but like the CPA isn't going to tell you how to do it. They're just going to tell you the tax consequences. The financial planner might tell you some of it, but you're taking assets under management away from them. So they don't have a whole lot of incentive to help you there. So like, who's going to give you this strategy? There are people out there. I've found them. I've lost a lot looking for the right ones. So like, you know, you go to these accountant or wealth advisor and end up paying money. And then you realize it's not working. This is not what I thought it was. So I have had accountants tell me, just maximize your, take no deductions on your W-2 so that you can not have to pay, you can not have to pay at the end. I'm like, give me a break. That's dumb. I'm not loaning money to the government for a whole year at no interest so they can give it back to me. That's dumb. So you have to have the right people. You have to talk to them and know how to talk to them and ask them the right questions so that you can realize whether they're the right people for you to work with. And anybody to me that, so if you ask to me, this is how I kind of fear, you ask your accountant, the person you're looking at, what's one plus one? And they say two, that means they know accounting, right? They know math. If you ask them what's one plus one and they say five, you're like, okay, you're kind of stupid. We're going to go somewhere else. If you ask them what's one plus one and they say, what do you need it to be? That's a person you might want to work with. And they're not going to take you into the illegal zone, but they will help you get the best advantage from the tax code. And the code is written not for employees. It's written for business owners. And if you become a real estate investor, you are now a business owner. You have a business and you have much more flexibility in your taxes. Got it. So it sounds like we need to know who to go to and it can be very costly and time consuming trying a bunch of different people trying to figure out if they're the one. Is that fair? That's 100% fair. And I've done that. Yes. Okay. So I think we've talked about two big things so far. One is education, right? There's this fallacy, the unconscious incompetence, the overconfidence that we know more because we've done other things than we actually do know. Then there's... And we read a book and played a game and now you're good to go. Yeah. Because that's all it takes, right? And then we need access to people who know the legalities, know the strategies, know the tactics. And we don't know enough more often than not to ask the right questions. So it sounds like we probably need somebody to kind of QB that for us to help facilitate that. Yeah, 100%. So from my role as a physician, a patient comes to me and needs a surgery. It is my mm-hmm. job. It is actually, you know, you get in a lot of trouble for not explaining all the risks of what they are about to undergo. When I go to my accountant or a financial advisor and I say, I want to do this because I think I know what I'm talking about. And they say, okay, without explaining to me the, the risks or the problems or why that's not a great idea, they just do it. And then you lose $50,000, $100,000. And it's like, well, I did what you wanted me to do. 
those are not the people that you want. I want somebody who's going to push back at what my ideas are. And I have had those people who just did what I told them to do because I knew what I'm doing and that they just did it. And it is not good. So that I can't stress enough how important it is to have your team, your people working for you to help you get the best out of the money that is working for you all the way around. I forgot even if that answered your question, Jerome. I'm no, sorry. it does. I mean, I, I think we need a QB to kind of navigate that. I think it would be a physician in charge of the care and you, you know, you're getting referrals or you're getting scripts or you're getting whatever. Right. But yeah. this person's in charge of the care. And I, I don't think most people experience that with when they try to move into these new spaces, they're just trying to figure it out. And, you know, it's a side hustle. It's a, I'm playing with it. I'm tinkering with it. I'm exploring it. I'm figuring it out. And it's not true sh strategy. It's not true investment. And so like on this journey, were you going at this all by yourself? Like, did you have a community that you were a part of that helped encourage you while you were learning all the lessons through the School of Hard Knocks? After my losses in 2008, 2009, yes, I joined community. I joined several communities, people to help me understand smarter people than me in the real estate investing space, or I wouldn't, it was too scary. I mean, I was afraid, but I knew that from everything I had read, everything I knew that real estate investing was where I wanted to be. And it was going to be the vehicle to get me the things that I wanted to have. I just didn't know all the best ways to go about it. So 100%, I found groups. I found people, men, women, all that just that knew way more than me and joined this these communities who had people in there like me who wanted this, but didn't quite know exactly how to go about it so that we could support each other, so that we could ask each other questions, so that we could encourage each other, make sure we could read the right books, we could do the things. And then when you have a deal or you have an idea, you have somebody you could run it by who can point out all the blind spots that you don't see, all the stuff you don't see, they can point it out, which isn't to say don't do that deal, but these are the things you need to mitigate if you're going to do that thing. So lone wolves in, in real estate may do well for a while, but they're going to have a lot of struggle. If you've got a bunch of money that you could afford to lose, then do that. If you don't and you don't, or you maybe you have a lot and you don't want to lose it, then I 100% recommend you get people around you that can help you see what you can't see, no matter who they are. And you have to use them. That's the one thing. We have accountants, we have wealth advisors, we have all these people. And then you go do things and you don't talk to them before you do them so they can help you not screw it up in your world. So this is just such, and I, I learned this the hard way, Jerome, I really did. Like, oh, I've got that. I've got that person. I've got that accountant. I've got that wealth advisor. I got that person. And then I started doing stuff. And then they'd say, well, you should have done it this way because it would have done this. Now I hardly do anything without bugging them. Okay, this is what I want to do. What do you think? Let's look at all your stuff. Okay, you can do that, but this is the problem with that. Here's how we can take care of that. So it's just a way to work. Just like having a cons consultant on a patient who you just, you know what to do, but you're like, what about this? What about that? Or you're in surgery and you have an issue. You want somebody to come in there and help you. So I, I don't, would never recommend to anybody to go at it alone. Have at least one person that you can talk to to help you see the things that you cannot see. So that's that. Yeah. I don't know if one is enough, but it's good that you say don't be a lone wolf. So when you were in all these communities, because you said you joined several, did you see stuff that you didn't like? Did you 
look, man, I'll tell you, and I hired my first property manager. I hired them because they were in the RIA that I was in, the real estate invest, real estate investing or investor association. And they had no experience managing the type of properties that we gave them to manage. Okay. And they screwed it up, right? Like it was an awful experience. And we ended up going to court and all this stuff. And I never, when I think back to it, I never asked the president of the RIA why he wasn't using this person, mm-hmm. right? And so I just had the awful experience in that community, so much so that I, I stopped participating in that community. Did you find that these communities were all rainbows and unicorns and everybody was nice and helpful? Or did you learn that just because a group of people is together that there there's some things that you need to be wary or leery of? So that's a great question because one of the first things, the first group I was in, they tell you in this, we were in this inner inner circle, which now sounds so culty to me, but I'm out. So there you go. <laughs> Is yes, we are a group, but everybody needs to do their own due diligence about what's going on. So you can partner with each other in this group. You can take recommendations for somebody, but do your own due diligence about what's going on because they gave a story of a guy who had been in their group who had just basically stolen a whole bunch of money from people in the group. So being in a community in and of itself is not necessarily everything you need. You really continue all the time to do your due diligence on those people and trust your gut in all these things, all of them. You 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 really do need to know who's who, what's what, and have someone on your side who you can go and ask questions. of. like, did this happen? Does that make sense? And talk through those kinds of things. So that kind of group where you really have people that you can talk to and is not pushing things at you because there are groups out there that want you to join that they can now shepherd deals to you and they don't really explain that deal to you they give it to you and you're on your own to figure that out so those are there you pay your money you join that group and now you have access to these deals but not having someone help you walk through that and does that even fit what you're trying to do does that fit your philosophy on how you're trying to make a difference in your world and the world in general it's to me, it's important to have someone you can actually pick up the phone and call and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? Help me walk through this. So just joining a group in and of itself is not the answer. You want to pick a group that's going to fit with you and what you're looking to do and how you live and function in the world. So outside of that, did you see other things that were just broken with the way people were creating or setting up their groups? The real estate groups that I was in often I was the only woman or there were two of us and the other one was in the group because her husband was there also. So having our group Wealth Builders is a female group. It is women helping women invest. So that was the biggest air quotes wrong. I'm not going to say it's wrong. It just didn't fit me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have more women to talk to and I want to have more women investing. I don't know how many of you guys know this, that, but Women didn't get the right to to our own bank accounts and credit cards and all those things until 1974. So we haven't had generations of of education on money. This is relatively recent. I know some of you probably were born 80s and whatever, but 74, my mom was born in 35. So this is this is relatively new for us. We can do it. Studies have shown we can do it. Statistics show we can do it. We are really good at investing when we get past our fear of investing and having other women with you to do that and walk that path with you to me is like the number one way to do it the fastest. So 
you mentioned wealth builders and it's spelled in, in an interesting way. How is it spelled and why did you spell it that way? Wealth is wealth. Builders is B-U-I-L-D-H-E-R-S. And it is about women building wealth, building hers. And women, when we build our wealth, we change the world. It's not, we very rarely, and I'm talking generally because of course there are selfish people in both sexes. Our wealth is, goes to expand and have a positive social impact. And that is that I purposely want to invest and look for investments that have a positive social impact for the folks in my tribe so that your money is going to work for you and it's going to work to make somebody else's life better too, or the environment or the world. It's just it, these two things can go together and everybody succeeds and everybody excels. And just that's just my philosophy on investing. It's not just about me. Okay. And so how does Wealth Builders create a different experience for women who come there versus other places that you've joined? Number one, it's all women. Every woman in the group is vetted. We're going to use that word by me. I want women that are collaborative and we work in a collaborative fashion, not necessarily where we are investing in all the same things, but we have support. So there are women in the group that are supporting your thing. You're supporting their thing. We're all working together to make everything better. We have our vetted team members who are our financial advisors, people who can help you make sure that you are investing in the best way for you. That's not my thing. I don't, I'm not going to look at that for you. We, I want you to have the best experience. I want your money to work the best for you and all your circumstances. So I have folks that I have vetted that are working with me and my personal things to help you get the same kind of experience and make sure your money's doing the best thing for you that it can. I think that answered that question. And then we have fun because that's women just laugh. And we well, there's the community aspect of it. That's the fun. That's the encouragement. That's the growth. And so I think I heard a couple of different things. One, it's a there's protection, right? There's vetting in the community. Then there's vetting of the people who are supporting the people in the community instead of what many people do is just pray. People make a they call it the herd, right? They put a herd together and then everybody just comes in and feasts on the herd. And then you said, well. In addition to that, we're creating community, we're fostering and creating relationships. And this is all in achieving, moving forward the mission of women not having to stay in relationships or work at a place because they don't have the financial resources to make a different decision. That's correct. 100% correct. I'm just talking to a couple of friends of mine and everybody's we could all look at some woman in our life who was doing something that sh that you knew she didn't want to be doing all for the financial reason. All my friends that her grandmother stayed in her terrible marriage because she couldn't leave because she had nine kids and there was no other way to take care of those kids. I talked about my mother. I talked about me staying in my in the jobs that I've had to stay in because the lack of financial resources. And that's just not a way to live. Again, my whole reason for doing this is that I want every woman to have the financial ability to leave any job or relationship that is not in her best interest. And every time I think about that, it really makes me work. It really does. It's just, I can't stand it. When I see someone doing something 
some woman doing a job or getting emotionally abused, physically abused in her job or her home, and she feels that she can't leave because she doesn't have the money to do it, it's unacceptable to me. So that's why I'm working as hard as I'm working, Jerome, to make this thing big and bigger so we can all support each other to do the things we need to do. And I no, I don't want anybody to get the idea that I'm against men or anything like that, because I think we can work this thing collaboratively, but we all have to be able to do what we can do and not be held prisoner by anybody for financial reasons. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you've had some private clients that you've helped go through the process of creating income outside of their job and outside of Wall Street. Can we talk maybe about a couple of them as we kind of wrap this up so people get an understanding of the track record of success that you're able to create not only for yourself, but for others? Yeah, yeah, we can. A couple of women, my couple of private clients that I have, Jessica, OBGYN, who knew that the job she had is not the only way there is to make money. She wanted ways, if she decided she didn't want to do that job anymore, to be able to do something else. She actually, well, I just talked to her the other day, loves her job. She actually likes it. She just doesn't want to have to do it when she doesn't want to do it. We started working together a little bit ago and she got found this deal and she was afraid to move forward on it. She called me up. We had a conversation, talked her through that fear, connected her with some other folks that can help make sure that the deal worked for her. She ultimately did that deal. And six months later, I mean, she put in four, this was a, Jerome, you won't believe this deal. It was amazing. And it was when I, when she was telling me she was, we were, she was afraid. I, I understand that fear. Even if it's a small amount of money, there's a fear. And when we got off the phone, she went and did it. And six months later came back with a five figure return. I think I can't even remember the percentage return, but it was, it was a lot. And she actually forgot to tell me. And then we were at dinner one time. It's like, so whatever happened with that thing? And she told me, it was like, how do you not tell me this? It was amazing. So, and now we're working on a bunch of other things together, just working to get, keep that thing flowing. And she's also now like one of my raving fans and out there talking to all the other women in her group about let's getting together and get this, get this thing really going because we've got to do better than we're doing as far as our money is concerned. Then one of my business partners, Chen, I was with her. We, this was quite a while ago. She's been investing for quite some time now. And I started talking to her because I was in the, we were in the car. She was on the phone with Verizon and it was like a 30 minute conversation because of a $20 problem in the bill. I mean, Chen is a five figure monthly income. And I was like, you just spent 30 minutes for 20, which just made me mad. I'm like, okay, I get the principle of the thing, but let's talk about other ways that you can be doing this. And we started talking about our taxes. We're both physicians. We're both employed. And how can you mitigate your taxes and she just, at the time, she was just having no deductions and letting them take care of the things we talked about before, loaning the government money for a year to get it back at no interest. Ultimately, she started investing. She's invested in some tax mitigation thing. She's invested in some cash flow things. She's just kind of now off on her own, putting money into so many things. I don't 100% know, but my gut feeling with her is that she could stop working if she wanted to. Again, another person who likes what they do overall and is now building this legacy for her daughter. So those folks just make me so happy and make me push, push, push again to really get the women who are trapped in the jobs that they don't enjoy 
making money other ways so they can do the things that they enjoy. And who knows, maybe if you had money coming somewhere else, you might actually enjoy the job you have because now you know you don't have to do it if you don't want to. And you don't have to put up with jerk over there sexually harassing you on a regular basis, even though if it's low key, it's still the same. You don't have to put up with that. You can give them the F you anytime you want to. It just makes things so much more pleasant. Because you have the option. You have a choice versus being in bondage. (laughs) Handcuffed to this desk. No, you can do what you want. So, man, that those stories are beautiful because people have choice. And I think that is freedom, right? And so if I get it right, Wealth Bill Hers gives women access to the knowledge that they need in order to successfully invest outside of Wall Street, which will allow them to create income that can supplement or replace their existing income. It gives them community so that they're not on this journey alone. And they have fun, right? Because I think there's some in-person events that happen and some retreats and other things to help people along on their journey and community build. <laughs> and then there's probably some accountability and access to network that are resources that they might not have otherwise, or they'd have to build on their own through trial and error. So it's going to save them time, right? By connecting with the right people. It's going to give them accountability and a community to be connected to so they're not out there alone. And in concept, they're they're going to be educated so they'll make good choices on the investment so that they make money instead of losing money. Yes. So that is one big part of it. I want I want so just think about your investment in whatever your education is. We multi, many people have a six figure debt coming out of school. And you took on that debt without even thinking about it. You did it because you knew it would ultimately get you where you wanted to be so you could make the money that you wanted to make and do the things you wanted to do, right? You made that investment. Even if it's somebody giving you the money, you are making an investment in your education, taking out these loans. So many of us think that once we're out, now all I got to do is pay off this loan. I can't do anything else to pay off this loan. I challenge you that get an asset to pay off that loan. Challenge you to invest in something to give you an asset that's going to pay that loan for you. You have to invest in yourself just like you did to go into the school you did so that you won't lose or decrease your chances of losing whatever you're investing. So that is, that's key. Feeling like you're the smartest person in the room is great when you're the surgeon or you're the trial lawyer or you're the whatever. You're the smartest person in the room. You are. But when it comes to real estate investing, I'm gonna, you're not. We are not <laughs> the smartest people in the room. So we have to get people to help us. We have to get our team together so that we can do consults and understand the things that we don't get, the things that are going to come and hit us in the face if we're not paying attention. So that's what I, that's why I put together Wealth Builders and built the team that I have and built the relationships that I have so that we can move forward in best way for us so that we can have those options and ultimately have the freedom to do the things that we want to do or not. Wow. So if they want to find out more, what how, what do they do now? Because it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love talking to people. I would love to have a conversation. So go to moneywithmission.com and hit book a call and let's get on the phone and chat through things. And so the final question, the one I wrap everyone up with is, 
What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? Making money from one thing. In other words, trading your time for dollars is a loser's game. Sorry. I just, I mean, that is, it's losers. People build wealth by letting your money go out, by letting the money work for you. So, yep, you got to bring it in and then you send it out to do the job for you and bring back lots of babies when you come back to me. The way to do that, the way the majority of the wealthiest people in our country, probably in the world, have made their money is through real estate, real estate investing. The majority of the most wealthy have been doing it for generations. I said women just got the ability to have their own accounts in 1974. So we haven't had generations. So we have to team up. We have to get together so that we can move forward much faster. We don't want it to take 10, 15 generations for us to get it. Let's do it faster by doing it together. I love it. Felicia, this has been a great episode. You're definitely a dream catcher. You've moved through a bunch of different exits, even though we didn't call them out on this episode. And I think what you're building now is going to transform the face of the planet because it's really, it's really get a little emotional about this. It's amazing what happens when women band together and decide that they're going to make something happen. And I think it's an unstoppable force. You guys are able to make more from anything that's given to you or placed in you. And just to think of how powerful this type of community is going to be and the thought that not only are you investing to create wealth for your own family, but you're investing in things that are going to make the planet a better place. That's magic. And so to the listeners, jump over, grab that call on moneywithmission.com and spend some time with Felicia and see if she can help you figure out if you're on the right path. And to the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.